Welcome to Monday, and today it serves two purposes. Number one, it's a Blue Jackets game day, as the Blue Jackets will be taking on the Detroit Red Wings tonight at Nationwide Arena at 7 o'clock. Also, it is time for the Monday Mailbag. Of course it is. I'm Bob McElligot, and this is where I answer your questions about the Blue Jackets or about life, whatever you want to talk about. We can talk about it. I'm game for anything right now, actually. I hope you had a good weekend. It was a good hockey weekend. There's no question about that. The Blue Jackets got their first win of the year by beating the New York Rangers on Saturday night, 5-3 to three at Nationwide Arena. Great night for Boone Jenner. Got the second hat trick of his career, the first natural hat trick of his NHL career. And the Blue Jackets just found some things that worked in that game. They also lost their goaltender after two periods. Elvis Merzlikens had to leave the game because he was uh, ill, and he is not going to play tonight. Jet Greaves has been called up from Cleveland on emergency recall, but Spencer Martin, who played in the third period on Saturday night and was very good in that third period, quite frankly, because the Blue Jackets were hemmed inside of their zone for a long part of the third Spencer Martin was able to get the job done and help the Blue Jackets to that win. So he gets the opportunity to make a start for the Blue Jackets tonight. So it uh, should be good. There's no doubt about that. And the Blue Jackets getting confidence from that win and now just need to start to play with a little bit of consistency. That's one of those uh, easier said than done things. I know that because it's not always, I mean, it's easy to say, but then you go out there and, so, oh, let's just be consistent. And then the other team always puts some kind of a wrinkle into that, don't they? So the Blue Jackets will be looking to keep that consistency tonight or build it. Build it. It's it's early. They can't keep it. They, they've got to build it. They're still in the building phase here in game number three, but that's what they'll be looking to do against the Detroit Red Wings tonight. All right. Uh, for those of you that have been around for a while, you know the drill. If you're with me on X Spaces Live right now, and if you would like to get onto the show and ask your question, all you have to do is request to uh, be a speaker, and I'll bring you on, and you can ask your question. Uh, some of you have already sent your questions to me via Twitter at Bobby Mac Sports, and uh, Travis is one of those, and I will start with Travis's question today. Travis says, I know it's early, but why are the lines all over the place right now? Well, Travis, actually, you kind of answered your own question in, uh, in one way. It is because it's early, and it is because Pascal Vincent is looking for things that work. He's looking for combinations that will lead to getting what he's looking for. That, of course, is goals. And he didn't get it in the first game. Look, you go through the training camp and you don't have, first of all, you don't have everybody skating in every preseason game, right? So that's one thing. You have some things that you see in practice and you think, yeah, that might work. And maybe you play that combination in a preseason game and it does work or it doesn't work. And then you're like, "Eh, okay, well, if everybody played every preseason game, it would be much easier to put the lines out there at the beginning and maybe stick with them a little bit. But because everybody doesn't, and because you're looking for chemistry and you're looking for things that are going to click, that's why they're changing right now. Case in point, things didn't work for the first two periods on Thursday against the Flyers. There was some tinkering of the lines in the third period. By Saturday, the lines were different where uh, Pascal looked at Adam Fantilli Alexander Texier and Patrick Line. During the preseason, they played together. During scrimmage games, 
inter, you know, inter-squad games. They played together, and, and they had success. They produced goals. So he said on Saturday, you know what? I'm going to put that line together. I'm going to put Fantilli up there with line A and Texier, and let's see if that works. And then the easiest line in the history of putting lines together, to me, was to put Johnny Gaudreau, Kirill Marchenko, and Boone Jenner back together because they had played like that last year, they had success with it, and they were back together on Saturday night. So that's why that's why it's been all over the place because you're, you're still looking for something that's going to work. And again, for that day and for that game, it worked. I think Gaudreau, Marchenko, and, and Jenner, I, I just think they work together, period. And I talked to Pascal about that. It's in my uh, pregame radio interview here tonight. Um, and he says the key to that line really to him is Kirill Marchenko and the way that he goes to the boards in the corners and he digs the puck out and he gets it he gets it to whoever. He gets it to Johnny and Johnny throws it to the front. And if, if you saw Boone's hat trick the other night, it was typical Boone Jenner. If somebody said to me, could you give me about a, I don't know, a 45-second video defining what Boone Jenner is as a hockey player? I'd say, yeah, I could do that. And I would take the three goals that he got the other night, and I'd put them all together, and I'd send it to him, and I'd say, there you go. That's him. That's him in a nutshell because he just he battles, and he goes to the front of the net and redirects pucks, and, yeah, he's got a good shot, and he can score. At times, he scores fancy ones, and it kind of gets your attention because the majority of the goals that he scores are ones like we saw the other night where he's just in front deflecting and screening the goaltender and all that stuff. So um, that line works. And I think that the fantilli Texier line A has promise and potential. Excuse me. <clears throat> and then the uh, – you know, I thought Cole Sillinger played another good game the other night. Played on the wing in the opening game, moved back to the center position on Saturday night. I thought he was fine. Um, the line that is going to change again today is Sean Corrales' line because he has – he I, I was going to say he's become accustomed to, but I shouldn't say that because I shouldn't, I shouldn't speak for him like, you know, that he's really comfortable with one thing and maybe not with another. So that's not what I'm saying. We are used to seeing him with either Liam Foodie and or Eric Robinson on one side of him and Matthew Olivier on the other side. That is That became like a staple last year. And even the other night on Saturday, Foodie was playing on the left. Olivier was on the right. Now, Olivier wasn't available for the Thursday game, so Danforth was playing there, and that's fine. That makes sense, too. There's, i got no problem with that. So uh, tonight, Olivier is out and Foodie is out. And Jack Roslovic and Emil Bemstrom are going to be the wingers for Sean Corrali. I am so interested to see how this looks when you really put it into play and, more importantly, how it works. That's what I'm interested in seeing because – Sean Corrali, in the time that he has been a Blue Jacket since coming back home from the Boston Bruins, I think everybody he has played with, he has made them a better player. Ask Alexander Texier about two years ago when he was struggling and he went on that line with Corrali and he just figured it out. Sean has a way of simplifying things. 
Here's how we're going to play. Here's what I'm going to do. Now, you know what I'm going to do. Let's adjust to it. Okay, now I know what you're going to do. So, Roslevic and Bemstrom, they're just, you know, they're more offensive players. That's what they're supposed to be. Uh, whereas, you know, Robinson, Foodie, Olivier are, are more grinders. Like, I, I don't think of Emil Bemstrom as a grinder. I don't think of Jack Roslevic as a grinder. But maybe they will be on that line with Sean Corrali. I think they need to be on that line with Sean Corrali. Now, that on the flip side, that line's going to have a lot more potential to score because there is there's talent there. Those two guys can score goals. So I'm, I'm interested to see what it looks like tonight when, when it really gets put into play. And it uh, shouldn't take long. shouldn't take long to figure it out. Eric Robinson, by the way, did clear waivers yesterday. He was placed on waivers on Saturday, so Olivier could be activated. I was a little bit surprised. And, you know, I argued with people at work. They said, well, who's going to take him? Who has the cap space? And look, Eric Robinson's a good player. Eric Robinson, um, he's pretty well-defined. He's big. He's very fast. He doesn't have the greatest hands when it comes to goal scoring. But he can. we've seen this. He can get you 10 goals. He can get you 10 to 15 goals. And I thought maybe somebody would find it, not within their heart, but within their wallet to be able to pick him up. But they didn't, which is a plus for the Blue Jackets. He's still in the organization, although he has been sent to the American Hockey League. And that is, I think that for many of you, that's a surprise. It's a bit of a surprise to me. I mean, he's been up here for the last couple of years. But it is also a... uh, a shining example of what we talked about all through training camp. There are moves that are going to be made this year. There are just too many people to fill too few spots. And there are going to be some surprises along the way, I'm sure. And Eric Robinson being in Cleveland, that is an early surprise that uh, he was moved out so quickly. Now, they they moved him so David Yurchik could come up from Cleveland, and that paid off. He got the first goal of his NHL career on Saturday night, and he looked good. So, again, it's this isn't the last of this kind of stuff. I mean, it's going to be mix and match, move people around, and try to you know. I said you got to try to find some chemistry and all that stuff. Yeah, well, you've got you've got other situations where you, you just have people that you're going to have to find a way to get into the lineup before all is said and done, or get them on the roster. Maybe I should say before all is said and done. And so that was that was the first move, and it comes it comes two games in to an 82-game season. So uh, we'll see. But there will be more. There's no question. There will be more. All right, let's go to uh, X Spaces and bring Paul on live to join the Monday Mailbag. Hello, Paul. Hey, Bob. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. <clears throat> I'm well. Uh... Gonna give it a couple more games before I make any types of uh, bigger sam- get a bigger sample size of the before I make any uh, questions about the players. But one of the guys that does have a pretty good sample size and has been consistent is Elvis. You know, uh, three three games in a row, the nine twenty save percentage or better. Uh, if you go back into the last preseason game, what have you liked? about what he's been doing the last uh, last couple games that has improved for him. I've liked that he's looked to be more in position, that he's looked to be more calm, that he hasn't been 
looking for a reason to go try to make a play that is not necessary to make, that he has just stayed where he's supposed to be, given the guys in front of him, the you know having confidence in them to let them do their jobs, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Even when he goes behind the net to play the puck, uh, there was a point in the game the other night, I think it was the second period, he went back and he got a puck behind the net, or uh, no, this one wasn't behind the net. Somebody dumped it in on him. And he had an opportunity where he could have made a pass. He could have fired a pass all the way out to the neutral zone. And I thought he was going to. I really did. And then what he did is basically like a quarterback. He checked down. And there was a defenseman that was standing not that far away along the boards. And instead of trying to make the long and spectacular pass, he just did what he should have done and handed it off and let the guys go back to work. Again, it is the skater's jobs to get the goals and the assists. It is his job to make sure the other team is not getting the goals and the assists. And I understand where he likes to be involved in all that stuff. And uh, there's a time and a place, like with an empty net, when you have a, a lead, that's fine. But I I really like that. And that, that said something to me to watch him kind of go through the, uh, you know, again, if you're watching football, they say go through the progression. He, he looked up the ice, and it looked like he may have thought there was something there, and then either it wasn't there or he just said, you know what, we don't need to make that kind of play right now. That's too risky. Let's just do what we have to do. So that's what I've seen in Elvis so far, and it's, it is good to see. Does it last? I hope it does. Um, every game is its own story. I, I thought the team – they didn't scramble a lot in front of him. It's when they start to scramble, it's almost like, um, you know, that's when he gets nervous and then he, he gets out of his own, uh, he gets into his own way by getting out of what he needs to do. And and again, I still, I understand that sometimes too, because that's human nature. You, you're watching the guys run around in front of you like a fire drill and you're saying, Oh, I got to do something to help. But a lot of times in that position, when you go to help you're it's actually a hindrance and you're going to put yourself out of position. So I think he's been in position. Um, his body language has been good to me in the last couple of games, and I've I've liked the way that he's played. Love it. Sounds like some of the changes that they made over the offseason are starting to pay off. Yeah, I hope so. I, I mean, that again, that is their plan. Their plan is to uh, defend between the circles. And if you're gonna if they're going to give things up, they want to give them up from the outside, and those are the shots that – You've got to stop as a goaltender. So if um, you know if that system's going to work, if they're going to play it and have it do what it's supposed to do, it will indeed make his job easier. But I also I, I give him credit for making his own job a lot easier by just kind of believing in what's going on in front of him. And I'm I'm sure there are times when that is easier said than done because he's the kind of goalie that wants to he wants to win and uh, he wants to help. But sometimes you just have to. You know, reel it in a little bit. Sometimes they don't need the help that you think that they need. Uh, you have to have faith in them, and then if you were right and they were wrong, you got to make a big save. And, and that's what he's done so far the first couple of games. Fantastic. Well, hopefully we see him back here sooner than later, and uh, hopefully the Jackets put in a, another Saturday effort tonight. I agree with you, Paul. Thank you very much for being on the show today. Again, if you are live on Twitter Spaces today, and if you would like to uh, – Come on and ask your question, as Paul just did. All you have to do is request to be a speaker, and I will bring you up, and you can do 
just that. By the way, I don't know how many of you were at the season ticket holder event yesterday. If you were, I hope you had a good time. I had a great time at that. I was, you know, Jody and I talked to uh, Yarmo Kekalainen with a little Q&A thing, question and answer for those of you that aren't up with the lingo. Uh, and then I started to walk around. I was going to make a, a lap around the building and uh, then I ran into Jean-Luc Grandpierre, and then we just spent the afternoon walking the concourses and talking to you, maybe literally you, but you, season ticket holders, and it was a great time. And before I knew it, a couple of hours had gone by, and the event was over. Now, I was moving. A lot of you were standing in a line waiting for an autograph for a long time, so... Uh, it seemed like the time went fast to me, but it was it was fun to get out and interact, and everybody was in a great mood. Of course, a Saturday night win helped that. There's no doubt, but um, it, it was it was good to feel that energy of how excited people were just to be there and get the opportunity to see the players and get some autographs and and see some friends too, right? Because maybe there's uh, somebody else that's a season ticket holder that you haven't seen at the first couple of games, and maybe you got a chance to catch up. So the only thing I'm mad about, and this is not your fault, but nobody told me, I knew the concession stands were open, but I didn't know I could just go get something to eat. And I, like I said, we're just walking around and talking the whole time. And then I found out after the fact that I could have tried some of that food. Darn it. Missed out. Story of my life. Story of my life. Let's go back to Twitter here. Cannon goes boom. Thoughts on uh, Jack Roslevic and Emil Bemstrom back in the lineup tonight. I covered that one. So where else do I want to go? Also asked, what do you think of Elvis? I just covered that one. Let's keep going. We're going to get there. What do you think of David Yurchek? Do you see him keeping a spot when Zach Wierenski returns to the lineup? Look, they wanted Yurchek on this team out of camp and didn't feel comfortable doing what they needed to do, which was going to be expose somebody to waivers. So now they've done that, and they have Juracek here, and he played well, and it was one game, and he will have good games, and he will have bad games. He's a young guy. He has one year of North American experience in Cleveland last year. He had just a couple of NHL games last year. But that being said, I think they keep him now that he's here. What does that mean for Adam Boquist, Andrew Peak? I don't know. I don't know. But they wanted him here out of camp. Didn't happen. Now he's here. Gets a goal in his very first game. I mean, he's making a case, right? He's saying to them right now, no need to send me back. Here I am. I'm going to produce. I'm going to do things for you. By the way, I'm very big. <laughs> I'm a big defenseman. I'm good in the transition game, all that stuff. So um, he could go back, but I just, I, I don't see it. I, I see them having to find a way to to create more space and and keep him on the roster. What else do I have here? Seabus Sports says, how does the vibe around the room compare to the start of past seasons? Well, it's always good at the beginning. 
at the beginning, everybody says the right things and everybody seems to do the right things and everybody's happy to be back. As I have said about it before, to me, training camp and into the early part of the season is almost like when you're in school and you get out for the summer and you're away from a lot of your friends and then you come back for the start of quote-unquote school, in this case training camp, and everybody's happy to be back around each other and all is well. But then, you know, by the time you get to Christmas, uh, Somebody's gotten on somebody's nerves and this and that. I'm talking about in school. I'm not talking about in the room. My whole point is, I think it's been good. Now, I do think there is a little extra added this year. And I, I do I do honestly get the feeling that these guys, I, I feel like there was so much uncertainty in the months of June, July, and August about what they were going to deal with. I really do. Because they were going to have a coach that they they didn't know what was going to happen. And I feel like once Pascal Vincent took over this team, I was going to say a sense of relief. It's not, not so much relief. It's just a, um, a fact that so many of them knew him, knew what he was about. Now, they didn't know him as a head coach, and he's different as a head coach. He's different now than he was as an assistant. There's no doubt about that. To me, it's a good different, the way he approaches things, the way he demands things. Friday, the Friday practice was not a fun practice for anybody that had to be a part of it. You know why? Because the Thursday night, uh, the Thursday night game was not a fun game for those that were a part of it. it was not a fun game for those who had to watch it and then the coaches that had to go watch it again and break it down they made sure that the participants from that Thursday game knew on Friday the displeasure they had with the Thursday game you get it he looked at it he said look our pace was not good we're going to pick up the pace. He said that after the game on Thursday night. We're going to pick up the pace. Well, how are you going to do that? Well, starts on Friday in practice, and he did. He skated them hard. And then they played hard on Saturday. And they practiced yesterday, and now they're going to play again tonight. So um, I just I, I like how he's handled it. But I, I think that, again, I think there's uh, an added – just an added level of um, feeling good about things for the players in the room right now. They know they're better. The guys that were here last year, they know how much better this team is potentially. They know what they got over the offseason in the way of trades and how much those guys can help them potentially. They know. And now they're starting to see it a little bit. So, it's always good at the beginning of the year, but I, I think there's something a little bit extra this year that has them feeling good. Phil Parks says, very simply, what happens when Z returns? Z, of course, is Zach Wierenski. Well, Phil, I'll tell you one thing that happens. 
you get your top defenseman back in your lineup, which is always a good sign. But I know what you're really asking. You're asking about roster. And as I was alluding to just a, a few minutes ago, I don't know. I don't look, they would still like to make a trade. They've been trying to make a trade for a long time. You know, there's that whole Vancouver thing that doesn't ever seem to go away out there. The Canucks want a defenseman. Connor Garland has been given permission to talk to other teams. All right, well, that sounds great, but now you're talking about another forward. You're already jam-packed with forwards, so what are you going to do, or how could that work, or or can you send a forward along with a defenseman, you know, all that kind of stuff. So they've been trying to do this. They've been trying to figure out how to alleviate the glut of defensemen they have and forwards at the same time, trying to figure it out, and they haven't been able to find a dance partner or they haven't been able to find something that works so far. So now what you're looking at with Zach Wierenski, they say one to two weeks. I hope that's right. I, I really do hope it's right. Um, You know, I, I saw him walk out of the building on Thursday night after the game, and walk, I should put in quotes, because he was almost walking like a one-legged man. So I hope that it's going to be just one to two weeks. I hope it's not going to be any longer than that. Um, it's obviously in a sensitive area in the quad. Um, and, you know, he's uh, – my whole point here is they've got one to two weeks to work on things and maybe try to make that trade that has been eluding them to this point. And if they can't do that, then they're going to have to make more decisions. It's like yesterday at the season ticket holder event when we talked to Yarmo. You know, I asked him about giving guys away for free, which he could have done with Eric Robinson. Had somebody taken him off waivers by 2 o'clock yesterday afternoon, they would have just given him away. And they don't want to do that. If they are going to move players out, they would like to get some kind of an asset for that player. If they can get a draft pick. Look, if you can get a fourth-round pick for somebody, it's better than just giving them away on waivers, right? I mean, at least you have something tangible that you're walking away with. So they've got a couple of weeks to talk through it, talk to other teams or continue to talk to other teams, whatever they're doing, and try to figure it out. And as I said, and if they can't get a deal done, then, well, then they're just going to have to, they're going to have to make a decision to wave somebody else off the roster or, Heaven forbid, I don't want to say this, but if I'm going to cover all the bases, I have to. Or you could have another injury within that span of time of somebody that has to go on injured reserve. I hope that's not the case. I really do. But it is one of the possibilities. So if I'm going to cover everything, then I've got to include that as one of the possibilities. Very simple, right? I'm a very simple guy. There's nothing complex to it. Again, you want to get on board and ask a question on X Spaces, request to be a speaker, and we can do that. Uh, first meeting of the year between the Red Wings and the Blue Jackets tonight. Uh, both teams come into this game with a record of 1-1. One and one. The Red Wings lost to the New Jersey Devils, and they beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. That is, that is a, a statement that for the last couple of years, you'd be like... Uh, 
wow, somebody beat the Lightning. That's a, that's a big deal. Right now, without Andre Vasilevsky, I said this this morning. I was talking with Jeff Rimmer. We were watching highlights from last night, and I saw that Ottawa had beaten them. And I was like, well, you know, that, that used to be almost a uh, no-brainer there with uh, <laughs> beating the Lightning was like a, a big thing, but they don't have the number one goalie right now. But I'm not taking away from the Red Wings. They are one and one. They're a team that's been building for the last couple of years to try to get to be a better team. And, uh, and, and the Blue Jackets have, hey, they've lost to them recently here. So there is uh, plenty of work to be done. Let's go back to X Spaces and talk to Zach. Hello, Zach. How are you? How's it going, Bob? Good. So uh, I was wondering, how do you feel about the compete level the Pascal's brought into the locker room with constantly subbing in the extra players that he has on the roster and creating accountability for poor play? Well, I, I like it. There should be accountability. And uh, when I talked to him today and I talked to him about bringing Roslovic and Bemstrom back into the lineup, the first thing he said is, well, the first thing to me is they had a good practice. And that's the first thing I demand. If you're sitting out of the lineup and then you come back and you don't have a good practice, forget about it. Then your chances of going back into the game are basically going to be none. So he said they had a good practice. That was first and foremost. Now we're putting them back in the game tonight, and we're going to see what they can do. But, Zach, you know, you've got to have some level of uh, competition and accountability. Guys can't just feel like they're going to play every single night without consequence because if that's the case, then your compete level as a team is just going to drop off. Uh, at points or in, could even be for a long stretch. So, But if everybody's on edge and you never know if you're going to play the next game or not, that, that makes a big difference. And I think he's doing a, a pretty good job of trying to set that standard here just in the first couple of games. Yeah, exactly. It seems like that was something they kind of struggled with over the past two years with Brad Larson was a uh, sense of accountability from the players. I mean, the, the – 500-and-some-odd-man games lost definitely played into that. You kind of had to play who you had. But it wasn't until halfway through the season where they were talking about having a tough practice. Yeah, no, you're right. And that's, um, you know, that I think that was one of many things on the list. And you're also right where the, the lost man games, that was, you know, sometimes you want to hold people accountable, and then you look around and you go, well, how am I going to do that? Like, I, I want to win, too. So if I want to win and hold people accountable. Sometimes it just didn't it just didn't work because of the personnel that you were playing. But it works right now with the guys that are healthy and the guys that are on the roster and the guys that are pushing for uh, spots. The, guy, the guys that are out of the lineup, I, I mean, look, if you're in there tonight as a forward, and it doesn't even have to be one of the two guys, Roslevic and Bemstrom. I mean, Ken Johnson missed opening night. Uh, if he goes out and doesn't have a great night, then he's in jeopardy. I, I think any of them are in jeopardy, and I – you know, you might say, well, Johnny Gaudreau's not in jeopardy. Okay, well, the superstars might get a, a little bit more of a pass, but it ain't going to be much more of a pass. So you better be on your toes and you better be playing. And, and that's what good teams do, Zach. If you got to have people pushing because the minute that uh, everybody's comfortable, forget about it. All right. Well, thanks for having me on, Bob. Thank you, Zach. appreciate you being on today on this Monday mailbag here as the Blue Jackets get set to take on the Detroit Red Wings tonight. And Nationwide Arena, and we go back to X Spaces. Looking to go live and looking to catch up with Lester. Hello, Lester. How you doing, Bob? I'm doing well. 
You know, I walked all around the concourse yesterday. I never saw you once, but I did see Dylan Tire. I got to talk to him for 10 minutes. I saw you. Uh, I ducked into a concession stand. No, I'm just kidding. I told you I didn't go to the concession stands, but we must have been on opposite well, sides. I mean, Maybe we were like, uh, you know, two planets. We were just rotating on opposite sides, never crossed paths there. I guess you got a point. <laughs> uh, a couple couple things about what you've said here. I, I, I think a good motto would be if you take a few shifts off, you might take a few games off. That might be a good way to look at this. Yeah. Put, and, the, put, uh, put that on a T-shirt and pass it out, right? Oh, absolutely. Just just make sure I make some money off of it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, another thing I think about is they talk about picking up Connor Garland, but I'm not sure if that's a good idea. He just turned 27, and you compare him to, say, Ross Levick, who will be 27 in January. Uh, Garland, to this point in his career, has been about a 50-point guy. I think actually 49 is his average. Roslevic the last two years has hit 44 and 45. But the thing that really strikes me is Garland makes 4.95 million a year. And if he came here, I don't think he'd be in our top six. And I think 5 million a year is an awful lot to pay a guy who isn't going to be in your top six. So I'm not sure if a trade like that really works. I'm not into making a trade just to make one. I know we got an overabundance of bodies around right now. But usually when that happens, the best solution is to move those guys for draft picks, don't you think? Yeah, absolutely. And that, that that's the best point about it. Like, again, I'm not – anytime that talk comes up, I'm not excited about it because I'm like, as you just said, what are you going to do with this guy? You know what your top six are on this team. And that's – let's be honest. Your top six at this point doesn't have Kent Johnson as a part of it. So what are you going to do with, uh, with that salary and – I, when I hear about Connor Garland, I scratch my head anyway because just a couple of years ago, he, he was like the, you know, the, the the next best thing that Vancouver was so thrilled to get the guy. Now here we are just a couple of years later, and they're saying, go ahead, shop yourself. If you find somebody that wants you, let us know. We'd be happy to get rid of you. But, um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that. Making a trade just to make a trade is not the way to go about it. And – and again, you're taking, you've got, pro, you need to clear people out. We're looking to clear people out here to make spaces for guys. I mean, look, Dmitry Voronkov is coming. He's got to be on this roster by the end of December, or he can go back to Russia. That is not happening. I'm talking about the going back. That's not happening. And there's one guy in particular that they have to find, and they will find a place for before it's all said and done. And he fits more of that bottom six mold anyway. So, you know, I, I agree with you. Yeah, he's one of the reasons why I cringe every time I hear people criticize Yarmo, because Yarmo has been very shrewd. And one of the things he did in 2019, when they went all in for it and they only had two draft picks, Yarmo went to the draft and he swapped a low third round for two high fourths from Florida. And he used that second pick to draft Voronkov. Now, that's that's having very good foresight, and, and I really like that move. He's done things similar to that several times, uh, and I just really don't get the criticism that he gets sometimes. I think he has been an excellent GM during the time he has been here. Uh, one thing that this team has never done is gone through an all-out rebuild. They are always just not good enough to make the playoffs, but too good to get the draft picks or draft positions that they needed. And so they kind of bottomed out over the last two or three years. They've picked up a ton of of really good prospects. And and for me, really, this season, 
you know, if Tampa Bay falters this year because Vasilevsky's not there early and maybe it opens up an opportunity for the Blue Jackets to make the playoffs, that would be nice. But for me, this season is about developing players because we've got, I mean, look how many guys we have on that roster. I think there's like seven or eight of them right now who are taken in the first eight positions of their draft year. you got guys like Provorov, Horensky, Boquist. Uh, you can name them all, but I mean, that's what it's about. It's about those guys' further development because if those guys develop properly, we're going to have a really good team for a lot of years, and, and that's what I want. Well, and, and that's what uh, that that's what everybody wants, obviously, and that's that's a good point. And I, you know, even if Tampa drops out, you know, Ottawa's going to be saying, "Well, why not us?" Buffalo's going to be saying, "Why not us?" Uh, um, you know, Washington and Pittsburgh didn't make it last year. Can they find a way to get back in? I don't know, but. Yesterday, when we asked Jarmo about what is his realistic vision for this team, he said we should be battling for a playoff spot, and I agree with that. Now, whether they make it to a playoff spot or not, that's a different discussion, but should they be in the battle for one all the way down to the end? I think they should, and uh, that's what uh, hopefully we will see. And, and you know what, Lester, when you talk about those trades that he makes, it's so easy to look at uh, – who you're taking with your first round picks and whether or not they pan out. And then uh, the trades that you make NHL player for NHL player or, or, you know, NHL player for draft picks. Not very many people, I think, look at the trading a third rounder for two fourth rounders and, and who you got from there. It's just that that's a tedious process. <laughs> it, it, it takes somebody with uh, your special talents to dig into that kind of stuff. I don't know if that's a talent. I just I just try to be aware of. Well, what you're interested. Doing. You're you're interested, right? You're interested in the big picture and and uh, seeing how this all played out. And you know, a lot of people are just superficial, and and that's fine. That that's fine too. I mean, it's but but yeah, he has he has a knack of doing that kind of stuff. There's when you go through the roster and look at it, there are several instances where you go. I forget how do we get this guy? Oh, I forgot that that was the path that was taken to get that pick or you know, or what was used to get somebody in a trade. I'll make one last comment and move on. What sometimes people don't understand is sometimes the timing of a, of a situation affects it. For instance, when they traded Josh Anderson and they got Max Domi, their idea at the time was to continue to try to compete because they had just beaten Toronto in a playoff series a couple of months before. But what went wrong there was a couple of months later, Dubois begged out, and a few months after that, Seth Jones told him he wasn't coming back. And if they had known those things when they moved Josh Anderson, instead of trying to get a guy like Max Domi on a two-year temporary fix, they would have probably gone out and gotten some draft prospects for him, and that would have changed the look of that whole trade. Well, and another thing that happened with that, too, is they thought Max was going to play center when he came here. And that right. that never that never panned out either. So I mean, th- to me, that was the whole look. You you didn't want to get rid of Josh Anderson, but if you felt that that was what you had to do, to me, the caveat was you're bringing back a centerman on a team that is starved for centermen, and then he didn't he barely played center while he was here the entire time. But I I, I think you're right. And look, let's let's be completely honest about it though. Adam Fantilli is here because of the injuries last year. I, as much as they're they're trying to retool and rebuild without bottoming out, as you said, and it's almost like as painful as last year was, thank goodness that happened because it left them with no choice. It 
they finally got to the point where they had to say at the end, you know what? Let's just try to get this first overall and be done with it. And even though that didn't work out, they still got a guy that probably in some other draft years would be the first overall and somebody that I think is going to be a major part of what they do from here on out. So um, I'm kind of glad it happened now in hindsight because it, it forced them to do what every team that has won the Stanley Cup recently has had to do, and that's get to the bottom and get the talent to get back to the top. Well, I, I like Fantilli. I, I love the way he plays the game from the eyebrows up. But you think about him and the comparisons will be made over the years between him and Connor Bedard. My early impression is Bedard is an elite player who will probably attract other elite players to play with him. But I see Fantilli as a guy who is an elite player who will raise the game of the players that he plays with, much like how you talked about how Sean Corrales made the guys that he played with better. I see that in Adam Fantilli. I do too, and another difference is, quite honestly, let's just put it on the table here. Bedard's going to attract those players, and it's going to be in Chicago, which is going to be somewhat of a, a an easier sell too, you know, when you're talking about that city. But I, I, think, I think on the flip side, what you said is right too. I think Fantilli's going to make players around him better, and I think some of those players are going to come from draft and development, but – I think uh, I think some players are going to come here, too, to want to play with a guy like that. So we'll see how it all plays out. Mm-hmm. Hey, good talking to you. Good talking to you, Lester. Appreciate it. Always great to have you on the Monday Mailbag. If you want to be on the Monday Mailbag, and if you're with me on X Spaces right now, live, you can just go ahead and request to be a speaker. Uh, let's see. What else do I have on Twitter at Bobby Max Sports? I've got uh, Phil wants to know. Your thoughts on Jordan Dumay coming off injured reserve. Back to junior or make the team? Back to junior, Phil. No doubt. Back to junior. There's no room on this team. Jordan Dumay is not a fourth-line guy. Jordan Dumay is a first- or second-line guy. And as we have already determined through the course of our discussions here today, there's no room at the end in the top six. So Jordan DeMay, he'll go back to junior hockey, and it will not be the end of the world. He will go there. He will have, I feel, another very successful year. He will play for Team Canada at the World Junior Championship, and I would expect that he will do good things there. He's, he's just got to wait. It's just a, it's a matter of time. Fair or not fair is not what it is. It's just, just a matter of time. And uh, then he'll get his opportunity. But I, I cannot see it coming right now at this point in time. I, I don't think there's, there's any way, shape, or form that's coming right now. So that's the way it is. Let me see. Do I have anything else? Because I don't want to bail out of it if I have uh, anything else. Because that wouldn't be fair to you. And... Wouldn't be fair to me either, because I like doing this. I like doing this on Mondays and talking with you and answering your questions. But tonight at 7 o'clock, the Red Wings, Blue Jackets, Nationwide Arena, game three of a four-game homestand. i got to admit, this has been pretty nice, quite frankly. This has been pretty nice to have a number of games in a row at home. Not having to pack a bag and go somewhere and get back in the wee hours of the morning and all that stuff. This is this has been all right. And it's I think it's helped the team to settle in a little bit here too. Now it's not gonna last forever, 
As a matter of fact, it's going to last two more times. Tonight's game, and then Friday night, Calgary will be here. And as soon as that game's over, we'll go to the airport and fly to Minnesota and play there on Saturday and come back. And all of that's going to suck because it's going to be a late-night flight, a late arrival game, and then fly back with the time zone change and get back late. So that's not going to be fun. But this homestand stuff has been fun. I've enjoyed this, and I know you've enjoyed it. So I hope you come out tonight and watch the Blue Jackets and the Red Wings go head-to-head at 7 o'clock at Nationwide Arena. If you can't join us, well, of course, you can watch the game on Valley Sports Ohio, and I'm cool with that, but I prefer personally, that you tune me in on the Blue Jackets radio network and 97.1 The Fan and Columbus is our flagship station. Or you can always get the broadcast via the brand new Blue Jackets app. As soon as we go on the air, there's a listen live button that comes up there. You can just punch that button and and listen along. So whatever way you take the game in doesn't matter to me. I just hope that you take the game in tonight. And uh, hopefully the Blue Jackets can go over the 500 mark here, break that one-on-one record. They'll have to beat the Red Wings to do it this evening. Um, But I think it'll be fun. It'll be a good challenge all around. And that's what's coming up next. So, hey, don't forget, throughout the week, if you want to send me questions or whatever you want to do on Twitter, you can. At Bobby Mac Sports. Or not on Twitter. See, I said on Twitter again. Doggone it. It's on X. I just can't use I've said X spaces. I've nailed that every time today. But then when I go back to... Just regular messages. I gotta, I gotta change the mindset here. Okay, so anytime on X, you can find me at Bobby Back Sports. Send a question, comment, uh, nice picture, whatever you want to do. It doesn't matter. Whatever you want to do. And uh, next week we will do this again. But tonight it's the Blue Jackets and the Red Wings, seven o'clock nationwide arena. Until then, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.